Welcome to We Talk About Dead People. This is the third time I've recorded this intro. Both times were too long, both times were too dark, so I'm just gonna <laughs> try to do this quick and try to make it, uh, well, I try to do it with a little more of a smile on my face. Um, this episode is, it's, it's not about history that much, it's some history. But I just really wanted to talk to Philip Van Houten of Rants About Humanity so we could rant about humanity together. Because right now, and I apologize, the Dutch are not only protesting over in Dutch land, they're protesting above me. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of noise in the background, but that's okay, we don't care. Um, I, 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 well, now I'm getting off topic. See, this is the problem, this is the problem. I, I just, I start going and then before I know it, it's been ten minutes. Let's try to keep this under three. Okay, so Philip Van Houten, Rants About Humanity podcast, great guy. Um, I love his show because of how he handles some difficult topics, and it's about time we started talking about some difficult topics because the hour is growing very late on this, and uh, it's time to start uh, getting a little bit serious, getting the word out. So I promise, we actually, not only promise, we have the next episode recorded. I just have to edit it. It'll probably come out shortly after this one. It's history. It's on topic. Um, but this topic of transhumanism has been kind of a hit. Everyone, I, we've gotten a ton of plays on The Machine Stops. And if you haven't listened to that, I recommend it. It's uh, it's just a short story. Um, I put music in it and did performative stuff, so it's entertaining and stuff. But the point of the book is really, really important. We are hurtling toward the end of humanity, and the way that it's going to be done is through technology. That's about the size of it. And all of our leaders are acting exactly like Dr. Breen in Half-Life 2. They're acting really, really guilty right now. Um, it feels like a Judas situation, to say the least. Uh, I, but I don't think these are the types of people who feel remorse like Judas did. I think these people are going to take their 30 pieces of silver and just... Go, go to Antarctica? I don't know what their plan is. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But they're acting like they are acting like they sold us out to something. Uh, and they're also trying to sell us, uh, sell us on several ideas that will kill us, uh, which is interesting. But a lot of people are buying the pitch because they have really good marketing. Anyway, that all sounds kind of out there and kind of crazy, but I'm trying to condense 10 minutes into, it's going to be definitely more than three minutes now, but um, anyway, so this conversation with Philip, uh, had it about a month ago. I've listened to it probably five or six times just to make sure it was correct. And you know what? I'm, I didn't edit it at all. I didn't, I didn't do anything to it. It is just a straight conversation between two podcasters who kind of see that something's going on that they, they don't like. There's a lot of window dressing on this agenda, and uh, that's the part where people get triggered. They don't like the fact that their favorite movements are part of a scheme <laughs> but you know that's that is what it is and since we are a history podcast um about preserving the human story in a human way um now that they're trying to end the human story in an anti-human way uh yeah i'm not gonna have much business if everybody's just a robot it's called we talk about dead people not dead terminators so i take it personally that they want to get rid of all of us <laughs> so anyway that was a little bit of a lighter take. I hope you enjoy the episode, and we'll see you on the reg the next regular episode fairly soon. Um, the Dutch are getting mad upstairs, so I've got to go. I will see you later.
yeah, you were saying something about an alien invasion. I'd like to start off with that, because we're firmly <laughs> in the zone of the weird. Well, yeah, you know, like if you follow a lot of people, uh, then sometimes you feel like the things that they've been prepping, climate change has been going for a long while, the food shortages is, is the default thing, but they always say like, yeah, they have an alien invasion in store to again, you know, what's the best way to unite people or create a global problem or call to the global citizens when it's not global anymore, it's intergalactic, you know? <laughs> And it's like, you know, it's not like anti-Ukraine, uh, pro-Ukraine, you know, it's pro-human or anti-human. And we have to get together with a global military and a global system to fight the aliens. So there's, there's no better way to demand a global order for a, a, a global attack of aliens, right? Right. It's the only way forward. You know, isn't it funny how with all of these stories, there's already two sides the moment the story breaks that's just ready for people to latch onto and just sort of, everyone's got their talking points already and all that stuff. And it's just like, to me, it's crazy. Everything is freaking politicized. It's just crazy. Like, mm -hmm. what what's the next thing? You know, vegan, you're not vegan. You're pro-Ukraine, anti-Ukraine, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, uh, pro-transgender, bigot. You're pro-Black Lives Matter, anti. Like, how fragmented has... Uh, public debate become and how much do you have to admit to a certain stance it's almost like you can't have no stance anymore you have to pick a side you have to be a tennis player and then you have to choose like are you anti-russia or not like dude i'm just from russia playing tennis people love tennis it's i love the sport love to entertain people let's have a good match like why do i have to choose and pick a side you know it is really frustrating because that there is just intense pressure and and um you know, it, it's amazing how expansive it is. It's like all over the world, all at once, we're all being programmed to behave like this. Um, with that, I think I should introduce who I'm actually talking to today. I'm talking to Philip Van Houta. Is that right? Philip yeah, Van man. It's like oh, Van Houten, as the Americans call it. Like, oh, okay, I don't okay. Mind, man. Yeah, he's got he's got a podcast called Rants About Humanity, and I freaking love it. And one day I was listening to it, and I was like, man, I wish I feel like we would just vibe so well. And then he stopped posting, and I was like, man, I guess yeah. he can't get the content out, you know. So yeah. I sent him a I sent him an email. I was like, we we need to talk, dude. <laughs> I had an intervention. Yeah, I was like, you got you are an essential podcast. You know, somebody did that to me at the beginning of the whole pandemic thing. Uh, somebody sent me <coughs> scandemic, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> somebody sent me forty bucks, and they and they closed down all the non-essential businesses. And somebody just sent me forty bucks and said, "You are an essential podcast. Get back to work." And I was like, "Oh man, I don't know how bad that person didn't know how badly I needed to hear that." Yeah, yeah. and but it just spurred me back into motion. And it's where I, I mean, the first thing I did after getting that donation was I made an episode about MK Ultra. I went straight for the neck. I was like. There's no way I'm just going to stand idly by and watch this happen. And it's funny because I discovered your show because my brother um, found it somehow. Um, yeah. I think you did an interview with somebody he was currently looking into at the time. And I, he put me onto you and I was just so impressed with your tone with dealing with these, <laughs> these difficult situations. I mean, the, the topics that we're having to discuss as podcasters these days, they're getting very, very touchy. And I felt like you handled some of these topics with just an even hand. And um, when you when you stop putting stuff up, I was like, 
dang, like that's an important voice. And I feel like you've got a lot to say, which is. Hey, Dan, thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. I think you're also an INTJ like me and we're a very big pragmatic type. And something that's completely lacking right now is just a pragmatic look and common sense. So, which is also a bit more the masculine. We could talk about the whole other topic, how we live in the toxic feminine in general kind of approach to things. And it's always a balance between the two. The masculine has always been more about structure, balance, long-term thinking, rational, pragmatic, all those things that are fought against right now because it's all emotional, short-term, you know, uh, I'm being triggered, you know, protecting victims, which is needed, but it's a bit more the feminine. So that masculine leadership, that rational, you know, long-term approach that seems to be missing right now. You know the classic meme, right? Like strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times create... Strong man? Well, guess in which period we are right now. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, and that's why I, I liked your approach on rants about humanity. Um, it was just logical. And there was a little bit, you got a little bit fired up here and there, which I like. Of course. Yeah, you've got to have a little righteous passion about some of this stuff. How can you not be indignated about stuff that happened when it touches certain fundamental values? Then it's like, okay, now, you, now you're playing with certain fundamental values that are super important, right? There's, listen, often they say, like, you don't feel enough, right? It's affiliate types. Sometimes I think you don't think enough. But that is not often being said, right? You don't think enough, but you don't feel enough. You should feel more. You know, all the, 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 the left wing and hippie, etc. Not that I don't see the value in it, but on the other side, like, you should think think more you should you don't think enough that's being seen as an insult right they immediately get defensive if you say like you don't feel enough it's like yeah yeah you're probably right so you see in almost all the institutions that it's based on feminine virtues and assessing it in a feminine way the strong masculine is not being used anymore to assess situations yeah and i think that's why i, I you're i liked your show so much was because it, it is just this very like like even-handed, like let's analyze the rationale behind what we're doing here. And I wanted to ask you, what was it that made you start Rants About Humanity? It's been an idea that's been in my head for a very long time, just Rants About Humanity, that thought like, you know what? You know, sometimes I can rant. For me, ranting is, is, is having a passionate opinion about something. And certain things that would happen in the world right now, I felt they're not talked about enough. So if I can give a platform where people can see other perspectives, I mean, if you look at Jungian analytical depth psychology, uh, INTJs, ENTPs are the blunt truth shares, sometimes the ENTJs. So people need to hear certain opinions of people speaking their mind, speaking their truth. And with more self-censorship and censorship, people don't see other opinions or they censor themselves and don't want to speak out or think aloud. And, and that way, more and more people get that narrow bandwidth of acceptable opinion and debate, and it becomes harder and harder. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So my mission is not like making as much people think like me. My mission is making as much people see as much perspectives as I see and make up their own minds. And to make up your own mind, you need to see different perspectives, not just a narrow echo chamber of propaganda. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know for the, for the longest time, I avoided, and I still do, avoid social media as much mm -hmm. as I can, because you go on there and there's just, it's just a, it's a, it's a dumpster Cesspool. fire. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an, it's a bunch of nut jobs screaming at each other in an asylum. 
and you know you come to you come to discuss a difficult topic and everybody's already so upset everybody has a voice and an opinion even people who haven't thought about something that's the democratization mm. of uh of uh, opinion and perspective but that just ends like uh, alexander alexis the toxville talked about you know mob rule mm. the tyranny of the majority who's ignorant and stupid and lives on prescribed narratives but everybody's voice counts right now so you drown in the noise it's not about the validity of the experience or the expertise anymore. It's about who gets the most followers or attention, you know, attention horse. Mm -hmm. That's the currency right now, right? It doesn't matter anymore. Is this the most logical or best way to approach it? Somebody with a lot of tweets and, and a lot of followers who is batshit crazy could easier get into a studio and tell her or, 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 or his story. Than a guy who's written books and did a lot of research, you know, because attention right now is the biggest currency. Yeah, you're, you're the only other person I've heard say that um, quite that directly. Like, I've been saying that for several years now. Like, attention is the most important resource you can get right now. Yeah. And it's true because if you can get and, get and hold attention, you can get literally every other resource just for I have a quote that says, you. We went from hunter gathering and seeking food to information gathering and seeking attention. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> that's uh, that's a really, really good perspective because it's it's just true, man. Um, but that's why. So I when you look at classical Marxism, and I can talk about classical Marxism, I can talk about culture Marxism, but also about this new Marxism. And you have the age of surveillance capitalism by Marsha Shaibov, who investigated a lot of big data about big uh, uh, corp corp corporations. Uh, classic. Economical Marxism is uh, the rich people or those who own the means of production extract the labor out of the laborers to then sell the surplus labor and you know become a capitalist giant you know and abuse the workers. If you do this right now to 2022, it's it, those who own the means of perception and information extract the attention and focus from the citizens and then sell it to the highest bidder. That, that is how that classic Marxism now works in the attention economy. That's really well said. And the thing about the word Marxism is nobody even knows what it means anymore, but we sling it back and forth as if we were all educated in. Well, you Americans you know, don't even know what liberals means. Liberal means classic liberals are in Britain, people who are more on the right conservative side. Then you look at uh, John Stuart Mill, you know, on, uh, he wrote treatises a lot on the right side, but when you talk about liberals, it's like leftists, but liberals in essence, when you go back, are actually more for private uh, entrepreneurship, uh, individual freedom and free choices, you know, liber in liberals is mostly like liberty is the ultimate good, which when you look at now, the liberals, their ultimate good is not really liberals. I mean, the liberals that now are hijacked and you call liberals, which are more left wings who keep on fleeing more to the left and becoming more extreme and then wondering while everybody becomes more extreme right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it's funny because I was talking to a guy yesterday, or not yesterday, I'm going to be talking to him tomorrow, I was talking to him a few days ago, and he's a disaffected liberal and um, he's mad because Americans don't understand what the word liberal means. And yeah. he was explaining that to me and, I, and explaining to me what it actually means and I was like, yeah, so this is just another word spell. Um, where conservative mm -hmm. means something different around the world and liberal yeah. means something different around the world. And we're always jumbled up in all of these words, which is why I think podcasting is so important is because while what you were talking about with the democratization of attention and that sort of thing and, and communication. Yeah, mob rule, yeah. Yeah, mob rule. Um, podcasters and, and people who have, 
you know, an individual voice and our thinking, it's more important than ever to start talking because some people never hear a word of sense until they hear it on a podcast. And it's, it's crazy to me, but like one of the things I was also explaining to this buddy of mine, um, was that the people I work with, I work in a warehouse, the people I work with are not listening to Hillary Clinton's podcast. They're listening to like Sam Tripoli or you or me, other people yeah. who talk and think like them. Not this elitist bullshit. But most top. people, that individual opinion is an echo of the material they most consume. And the material they most consume often is the one through the mainstream um, devices or propaganda or the things that they're allowed to see or hear or talk about. So most people don't talk about how to find meaning, how to handle anxiety, how to handle depression, how to find a good partner. What are my strengths? You know, how should I be a good parent? These are all private issues that are not being discussed. So where did he get that info? Mostly not at all or through the mainstream sources and the mainstream media. So that's why most people, their, their, their info and their topics are dumbed down because it's based on the input that they get and what they're exposed to. And it's a very dumbed down version of essential teams that actually are crucial to humans' existence or are meaningful and worthwhile. So when all you do is just eat chips, uh, fast food, and then watch the propaganda, and then just watch dumb movies, yeah, your head is filled with just stupid shit. So you talk shit, you're stupid, and you can't hold discussions because you're an idiot, but you're also partly an idiot because you, you're not exposed to anything intelligent. Do you think stupidity is a choice? I think ignorance is a choice, partly, when you're exposed to so many things. I think... When I go back to children, they're innately curious. They like to move, touch things, question things. That is our innate nature. Very much discovering with curiosity, which also double-edged sword. But I think most people are curious about the world, but then they are indoctrinated by childhood education system, you know, the expectations, the, the, the narrow bandwidth of topics that are talked about. They call it the Overton window, you know, allowing the public discourse what you can talk about. So then you get raised to be sit down, shut up. Don't ask questions. What are you doing? Why can't you be normal? And this is being repeated all the time. So you're just dumbed down. You're pressed down. You have to listen. You have to conform status, false facades. And that is being reinforced all those years. And then the end result, you see kind of these stupid, ignorant, non-aware, indoctrinated citizens. But that is a process of years and the system, how it's set up. Our, our education system doesn't make any sense at all. You don't get to know who you are, what you want to do, what's your purpose, essential things about how to navigate relationships, what makes me happy, uh, how to handle depression, how to have friends, how to spend money, none of it. So it's, it's filled with just nonsense that is just memorization and just listen to me. Why? Because I tell you to. And just authority-based conformity. And then when you see everything with COVID the last two years and a half or the narratives that dominate people, their lives, it's just an echo of the narratives they've been exposed to their entire life mm -hmm. and their parents. So it's more of a structure of thought than an actual, like, uh, actual, like, ideology. It's more of how you think. You're trained to think like a, like a, like a repeater, basically, like a copy machine. Right. Well, your narrative is always a part exposed to circumstance, like anything, like, is it the gene thing? Is it an environment thing? Every intelligent person will say it's a gene environment thing that influences each other when you go deeper into it. But there's always a realm that there is some kind of awareness. You can choose to not be aware. This is the problem. And Jesus was on the cross, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they do. Hmm. But now it's more forgive them, Father, because they choose to ignore.
Wow. That's really well said. Pretty deep stuff here. <laughs> but oh, it's always deep stuff. Yeah, it's always deep. It goes as deep as you want it to go. You know, and it's funny because it's funny because over here, you know, I've I've lived in Texas, I've lived in Chicago, I've lived all over the states. And yeah. what's funny is that everywhere you go, it's the same thing. There's your left, and then there's your right, and yeah. every like ninety percent of people fall into those camps. And then you have to like secretly find the people who are in the maybe five percent who have their head above the clouds and are totally aware. They look at the chess game and they don't look at the chess players. These are like mid-level issues. Jordan Peterson plays that on level. Ben Shapiro plays that level. So many people play, play on that level of just it's the left. It's the right. It's identity politics. Is this? Yeah, but what, what does this serve? Where does this come from? Which kind mm -hmm. of people or narratives are purposely pushing this? It's mid-level discussions. Yeah, you know, I love that you said that because that was one of the issues I ran into at a year into the thing was I was like, there are so many like decently smart people who yeah. just can't see past the veil they're just so stuck in the left right you have divide. noam chomsky it's just a disgrace you should you should just listen to noam chomsky just like talking about you know put the vaccinating camps and it should be shut out etc it's because this guy is so brainwashed into his specific means and not the principles that could be used despite your ideological uh, preference. So if everything is go geo geopolitics from America, he will align with the right way, but it's using it with geopolitics, America, geopolitics, America. But if you would try to use his book on manufacturing consent on what's going on, he would see how this is being used. He would see how this doesn't make any sense. But if you listen right now to Sam Harris or Shomsky, they're uh, a shill of themselves of what they stand for. No critical thinking, no big picture, no rational analysis at all. They're just brainwashed by those prescribed narratives or their ideology or their status, you know, and they can't see clear. It's kind of really sad to see, but Chomsky is a very good writer about, you know, like manufacturing public opinion, but he doesn't see the big picture of the principles. He just look at it like geopolitics, colonialism, and then it's it. No, it's a principle that can be used in different ways. And he doesn't see it here like, oh my God, they're attacking like Russia is attacking Ukraine. And then it's like Russia, Ukraine, mm, Russia, bad, Ukraine, good, Ukraine, right. If it would be something else like an invasion, you know, America invaded. Oh, my God, imperialist America, you know, it's a, they would they would look at it through a lens of the players and, and, and what's at stake and then shift their preference. Then just look at the principles being used in different ways. Yeah. So that's well, the problem that I have right now of. of if you can't see that this whole approach doesn't make any sense and that it's being used to create a kind of, yeah, that would take me a, a bit far, transhumanist society, global order, you know, where the big players get more money. Why are you focusing on just on it's America? Just look at all these companies, look at the food shortages, look at these pharma companies, look at the media companies, look at the inflation, where it comes from. Don't you see the bigger picture? What's artificially created, where this is heading, and in which kind of players their hands this plays? Are you still going to be dumb and be like America, Russia, you know, and left, right, and that's it? Yeah, well, the, I think the main thing keeping people from seeing this stuff, and it's just, it's, it's very, it's like you were saying, it's, it's an emotional reason. It's fear. They're afraid to, to just swallow a little bit of the truth and see what happens. But I, one of the things I like to say to people who are just teasing the idea of maybe sticking their head a little bit above the clouds is I say, you want to increase your IQ by 10 points right now? 
Shut stop the TV. Yeah, but also stop lying to yourself about what you think you know. Yeah. Because people have so much knowledge that they've picked up from from the mainstream that they and they're like, but the expert said so, and you're like, that yeah. doesn't make it true though. Yeah. You have to analyze it from a moral position. I did my research. Okay, so where did you get the research from? I got my research from the newspaper. Okay, so you're lying already what the newspaper said, what the science was, and then you look at actually the newspaper, how it's being backed up, and the newspaper actually got this info from Reuters, and then you look at Reuters that just rolls out the newspaper, you know, articles to a gazillion newspapers, etc. So actually there's like intermediate sources, but then it's like, no, 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 no. I did my research. I trust the science. Yeah. Well, no, you trust the media and the propaganda and what they define <laughs> as science and what they allow to say and not to say. And then you just mimic it and take it for true. Yeah. This is why you're not past belief. Yeah. You're not past belief because you're so-called rational. Like even Sam Harris is not past belief. You know, I'm so rational. He believes in science. Science in the end is also a belief. It is. It's true. There's a lot of things masquerading as non-belief that spawned out of the new atheist movement and i fell victim to all of this stuff when i was when i got out of college i was like yeah, yeah. man like oh wow like look at all this alternate research that i didn't see before this must be the truth and after a while i'll tell you what happened was i was listening i was listening to jordan peterson i was listening to you know dave rubin and joe rogan and all that stuff and at a certain point i was just like what they're not saying anything they're just talking about these cloudy concepts that don't actually get down to the brass tacks of what's really going on. How can you be Jordan Peterson and 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 and, and be an expert on totalitarianism and you're not really talking about the great reset, uh, you know, the digital idea, transhumanism, nothing. Like, what the hell? How are you staying on the fringe with this? Like, how is this possible that you haven't discussed these issues? You have this John guy, I don't know, he was the ex-prime minister of Australia. I don't watch a lot of Jordan Peterson anymore. I used to admire him until he doesn't back up actually what he writes about, according to me. And he was like weaseling out out of all the questions if it actually, you know, infringes on freedoms and then if it's not too far. And that guy calls himself a right conservative. Yeah, right. <laughs> Protecting freedoms. Like how the hell is this possible for a virus that has less or the same as the flu, spending a gazillion dollars for the demographic that normally is targeted by viruses. And then, you know, for the climate change, you say like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense because there's no more snow or ice right now or more polar bears right now in, the, in the Antarctica than before. How is this possible? And it's not the best way to spend money. We should spend it like Bjorn Lomberg talked about climate change and then say, okay, if we have an analysis of the best things we could spend money on to improve the world, what would it be? And climate change was not even in the top 20 or whatever. They say it's much better to invest in education, in healthcare, and maybe their constructive solutions can be created to have less pollution, et cetera. So they are very grounded and pragmatic when it comes to this. But then just wasting money into something that doesn't work or barely works for a disease that is ridiculously low and is a huge waste of money and will ruin jobs livelihoods and maybe even health of people how the hell does this make sense right. you can explain the wage gap between men and women but all these vectors according to age and their profession but you can't look at a covid chart looking at how much percentage are being debt how much percentage is actually because of covid and what the demographic distribution is how the hell can i expect you haven't seen this well it's, it's because people people can't see it and they won't look at it because they're afraid to experience the horror of realizing that they were wrong or that they yeah. were misled. You know, the scary yeah. thing isn't that, isn't that, oh, maybe COVID was fake or anything like that. That's not the scary thing. 
the scary thing is that a lot the of comfortable people, work worldview was wrong, and then you have yes. to scramble your identity back from the uh, lies that are on the floor and scramble yourself up from the floor again. Exactly, and I, you know, looking back at you know my experience with the whole thing is, I, I from day one I wasn't worried about it. I was like, this sounds yeah. silly. Yeah. The press yeah. is obviously just getting yeah. up in a tizzy. They got something they can write about now. It's free articles. All they got to do is publish numbers. And I, I just fell onto my bed and just like stared at the ceiling like, what is this going to be like understanding that this is a psychological operation of a scale unknown to man previously? Yeah. And to be on the outside watching it, it was like watching two trains charging at each other at yeah. full speed and there was nothing I could do to stop it. I just had to watch it. It was horrible. That's what it's completely are insane of. what happened the last two and a year and a half, and you can't explain it on any rational basis. You can explain maybe the first month or two months out of a precautionary principle or whatever, but even then you got like feedback. But almost everything that they did and the severity is completely disproportionate to what actually was going on. While there was increasingly like censorship and polarization, and given the actual threat and how deadly it is, it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, you want to hear something funny? Everyone laughed that they had they had curfews in some towns because COVID came out at night or something. Well, I had a pass because I worked night shift during probably a year of this thing. And I will tell you something. I was really glad I worked night shift because at night, nothing was happening. Nobody cared. Nobody wore masks. There was nobody yeah. freaking out. The propaganda settled down. And yeah. I went to work. It was like nothing happened. But the day I shifted to day shift, it was like there was a pandemic because everybody awake during the day believed it and everybody working during the night, not seeing it, just weren't getting programmed the same way. It was two different worlds. And it was amazing. People are caught in the rat lace. And a favorite quote of mine is like, we have to, we have to increasingly run faster on a path to a place that we don't want to be. So it's like Alice in Wonderland, the second one, like here you have to run twice as hard just to stay at the same place. Mm -hmm. So life is going so fast, we numb it by just comfort or security or convenience. And life is going so fast that, you know, we just try to keep up and, you know, we never face like the deeper issues about what do I want in life? Like, how will I handle death? I'm reading a book right now, The Denial of Death, which is a good book. Also handles like Kierkegaard, partly what you said about don't lie to yourself and these kind of things, which demands bravery to to step away from the lies everybody is a bit of a hypocrite but that's normal that that mm -hmm. means it still is something important to you but when you see how these people act for a virus that is like a flu hitting the normal demographic and see the hysteria it kind of reflects the state of the world like how we can handle our inhumanity we can't even handle being human anymore and we're floating away from being human while being increasingly dissatisfied and what's the answer becoming even less human yeah. <laughs> do you want to share your opinion on, on transhumanism? Because that word is scary to a lot of people, but it's been on the docket for at least a hundred years. <laughs> so it's nothing new, but we're starting you want to have mind it. control. You need two things. You need control of behavior and control of perception. And how do they control uh, perception through the cultural means or technology of what you see? If you can control what people see, that becomes their reality. And how do you control behavior by tracking and tracing and measuring it and knowing people that intimate details more than they know themselves? Now, technology is like the secret key to it because it's the policeman. It can manage everything. It can track everything. So the transhumanist is the ultimate dream of the people who want to survey people and track them and trace them and enslave them with their perception and tracking their behavior. So I call transgenderism is a prelude to transhumanism. 
because there was a series for, in, the, in the UK and there was a girl who um, who said like, hey, mom, uh, I'm not a, I don't feel like I'm a girl. And uh, yeah, the women, uh, the parents were pretty brainwashed. So they said like, hey, it's uh, fine if you're a boy, if you think you're a boy. And she said like, no, no, you don't get it. I'm transhuman. Why is that the next step? Because if your biology and your subjective choice is, is all that matters, why limit yourself to being human? Why not explore all the identities that are out there and identify with anything that you want? So that's the next step. I'm transhuman. I want to be whoever I want to be. Sounds good. It's complete terror. This is the consciousness that also is a bit of a curse. If you would have to be conscious of every choice that you make and have to consider if it's the right one, it's just a self-imposed prison. And it's already difficult right now with all the choices. Life sometimes was chill, simpler when you had three or four bars to go to. Everybody was there. You got to know each other and you had a good bond. Okay, I like it that I have more options right now, but you ha can have these paralyzing options that at each moment you have to choose who you are, who you're going to spend time with, and what you're going to do. Expand that times a gazillion in the metaverse or as a transhuman. Like how paralyzed will you be with always, you know, being a slave, never in the moment. And then all the jobs, like 80% of the jobs between now and 2030, Ray Kurzweil of uh, Google sometimes talks about, uh, you know, ro robots gaining consciousness by then. So 80% of the jobs will be replaced by you, uh, by, uh, by robots. And it just squeezes the humanity out of uh, being human and just fuels the anxiety, the loneliness, the depression. And people will again try to fuel this with blaming somebody else or consumerism you know, or inward aggression. And those people, when you look at as a smet, he just has a book out of psychology of totalitarianism. He has a theory that mass formation comes from people when have a, they have a lack of bonds, they have a lot of internal aggression, and they have a lot of free-floating anxiety. Just as I talk about the rat race, you can't pinpoint it, but you feel like, oh my God, I'm being lifted. Like that anxiety is underneath your skin. When some kind of leader then creates a problem or focuses on a problem that finally is the point of attention of that anxiety and you polarize people in camps and they can also let out that uh, aggression and have that virtue signaling there and then feel connected again to other citizens because they're inherently lonely, it can create that mass hypnosis and focus on it that the thing brings people together, focuses finally that anxiety, brings them together and it fuels that mass formation and hypnosis. Yeah, and a lot of people would fight you for even suggesting that they're under a state of hypnosis. But I think what you say about transhumanism, its ultimate goal being basically to replace us with robots, I think part of the goal is to turn us into the robots. We think in binary and we fight over The danger is not zeros. for robots to become like humans. The danger is for humans to become like robots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I say. That's my quote. Uh, so this transhumanist agenda, I mean... This is the thing when I talk about, and this is the hopeful thing in me. I had enough of this technology crap. I don't want Wi-Fi 100. Oh, you want to give me more of what not, doesn't make me happy, but is a cheap replacement for it. At a certain point, you want to say, I want to integrate it. I want to control technology and not be controlled. So we tested it. It's not bringing what we want. Let's use science tech to ultimately not only improve health, which seems to be just equal to longevity. That's it. That's the definition of health right now. But really wellness, being well, hmm. feeling well, feeling fulfilled. And we're going to look at all the elements and science want to be and technology a part of it. But some things will, you know, revert to science of say like stop because this sound stamping, we're human, we're biological, our biological drives 
are stronger than our willpower to say no. So you know what? I don't want this. Sounds good, but no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's an individual decision to step away from the offerings that they're giving you because both options yeah. typically suck. This metaverse, I don't give a shit about it. It doesn't yeah. interest me a fuck. Oh, but you can watch a football match real and you have to buy tickets. No, thank you. Go fuck yourself. I kind of <laughs> know what it will lead to. I yeah. have no fucking interest in it at all. Do you know what kind of a superficial shit society we have become? That right now you can have an NFT, which means I can make a screenshot of whatever. And just because I'm the only one with a 00101100111 that is attached with that picture, suddenly it's worth a lot of money. What kind of a superficial shit society does we have to become that this kind of bubble of shit that, that is so artificial that it's just like, yeah, but I, I, I own the screenshot of this this yellow paper that I made and now I linked it with a code and now it's worth $10,000. Why? Yeah, I own it now on my computer. Now it's mine. Like how much of a mental vein construct is this that is based on actually nothing? Well, people can't even, don't even ask the simple question like, why does money have value? Why does anything have value? But, you know, the NFTs, like obviously that's, there's something there that just doesn't make any sense, but it's like, what about the dollars in your wallet, buddy? It's the yeah. same kind of thing. It has mental, it has value because we mentally ascribe value to it. And everybody Yeah, agrees. but with money, sometimes you can still buy things that are meaningful to you or you can you know, fix it. And you could say like an NFT is the same, but the NFT to me seems more like either the, 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 the trading boys that want to make some fast cash or the whole glory and, 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 and gain of being like the first one that has it or the status that you own that specific thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all... It only works because people agree to the lie. Does that make sense? So like you and I might agree that that NFT has value, but it does. It literally doesn't have value unless we agree on that. People don't realize this. People will have in the future digital prostitutes and famous celebrities will have a 3D copy of their body. They can scan it in. It will be logged in into an arena in a hologram and guys can pay to have sex with that digital prostitute and program what she can do, how she can do it, where she can do it, and they can have sex unlimitedly with all famous people and whoever that they want. It's and terrible. a lot of guys will say yes to it and it will be the failure of relationships for both the sexes, but especially for women, because those men will just, you know, they're shaming men war on masculinity right now. So they can just have empty sex with a new, uh, digital prostitute every freaking day. And Katy Perry can lend her body and she never has to actually be a prostitute. She just scans herself with a 3d modeling and it looks like a human with the synapses. You can do it. And any King that the person wants, okay, that's $5 more. Let's add it. Where do you want to have it? Okay. Here, you know, and get some biofeedback. So she knows what you want. And it's like, Oh my God, you know, having sex with celebrities and new people every freaking day. No, it's like the scary thing is like, I have friends who would, who would be all about that. And you know, I, I, when I show some resistance to such ideas, they get like, well, what's wrong with you? I'm like, yeah. I just, this is a terrible step for humanity itself. You know, it's like, I feel like you, you're having a bit of a rant about humanity, but you're also having more of a rant for humanity because it's funny. Yeah. We find these things sad that people would fall for it. And yet we still want to speak out and advocate against these tricks because we care about humanity and we want to see our brothers and sisters on this planet rise up. We want to see them do some good with their lives, break out of the propaganda window so that they can sort of create a reality that's good for them as opposed to one that just hates them. <laughs> what is a meaningful life? What is a fulfilling life? It's being alive, it's being fragile, it's being human, it's, you know, 
it's essential things. Else you have this Faustian deal of just sacrificing humanity to basically be a slave and uh, be immortal. But, you know, you had an old series. I mean, you probably were too young to watch the series. It was called like Highlander. And with Highlander, you had the guy with a sword and they had to kill each other. They had to behead each other because there could only be one. Right. If you look at that series, all those, those people, these immortals, they were inherently sad and depressed. Because they lived so many lives, you know, and then they saw other people dying, you know, and they cared about them. And then they lived on, they become a nihilist. Nothing is relevant anymore. Or they're, they're a slave to the, it's interesting that a guy, some said like, you know, what is an iPhone? It's a black mirror, right? It's a black mirror. You share it yourself in the blackness, right? You get sucked mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. So in the end, we didn't have a discussion about what is a meaningful and fulfilling life. And the answer is not, not always like more technology and faster, right? Yeah. But the problem is that the means of uh, money and, and innovation, and there's a lot of power in these things to keep on going in that direction by certain powers. So it's hard to stop this speed train towards the transhumanism and more and more, you know? Yeah. In the end, what, what, you're going to have a, a class with robots or cyborgs that can pay it and can keep up because robots don't sleep and they can do it faster, you know? And then the middle ones are the cyborgs and then the lower ones are the cast, like these freaks that don't want technology in their body. You know what, Burla? I don't want any freaking technology in my body. I don't want a pill in my body that tracks like when I take it and it sends, you know, the signal that I've taken my vaccine, which is the what Burla, the CEO of Pfizer already is talking about. You know, I don't want to enhance my memory. I don't want any technology in my body. Yeah, I'm, I just, it's just one of these things where it's like you look at, you begin to ask the question, what, is, what does it even mean to be a human being anymore? And so many people are like just so consumed with their appetites and, and what it is that they're going to do that day or the next day that's going to excite them a little bit more. And it's, it's just one of those things where like I look at it from, from a C.S. Lewis lens. I, I sound like yeah. a broken record to my listeners because I say, <laughs> read that hideous strength. It's all right there. And I say it again and again, but the key relationship in that whole thing is between a man and his wife. And they're a young couple, and already the narratives are starting to seep into their relationship, and it's dividing them. And so they spend most of the book apart. And they both learn these individual lessons about like what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a strong human being that cares mm -hmm. about something. And then when they come back together at the very end, you don't even get to see the scene where they, where they uh, see each other again. You just see Mark's jacket on a uh hanging on the chair and she jane thinks to herself oh that's so like mark and then she says it's time to go in and i look at that and i'm like c.s lewis saw the writing on the wall 50 years in advance because he was talking to the transhumanists at oxford and cambridge and all these other you know big schools and they thought he was crazy backwards stupid you know you should you should get on the train and one of the guys was named professor haldane and the letters that they wrote back and forth were just like Haldane couldn't see the writing on the wall. This was the, this, the mm. enemy, the enemy was not, you know, back then it was the Nazis. It wasn't the Soviets. It wasn't any of this. The enemy was anti-humanist. They hated human beings. They find them disgusting. It's very interesting. There's a scene in the book also where a guy's talking about how the moon is sterilized completely. And that's, desirable and you know mark asks why and he says well don't when you pick up a log and you see stuff crawling all over it don't you throw it away and say ah it's alive i think that's how the elites see humanity as a whole they see us actually like a pest and i think they don't need humans anymore 
Yeah. They're, extracted, they're, they're extracting all the liberties from people right now that they have everything that they need. Like you basically have the poor working class right now, the poor middle class. They're just extracting all the resources. What's happening right now with inflation, with the food shortages, crypto going down, stocks going down. Oh my God, I didn't know that printing money magically for a gazillion dollars would create some inflation. Like how the hell can I take you seriously that you didn't know this? I said this after two weeks after the so-called pandemic that this was happening. And I'm just a normal guy from Belgium, moved to Hungary right now. You know, you know that printing a gazillion dollars, like try to do that in your own life. Oh, now I have a gazillion dollars, you know, like, yeah, but you lend this money, so you have to pay it back. So all these things, you know, that are coming. But for these people on the top, they're also, when in climate change, it's also, we shouldn't procreate anymore. This, this transgender agenda is also a anti-sexuality agenda. So you see like the whole procreation, the family, you know, it's not important anymore for these people. Yeah. They don't want more they, of us. <laughs> they, they, they're not necessary anymore. Like these people don't look, look art. I'm a huge art lover. What kind of crap have we been making the last 60 years? Can oh. you name three beautiful buildings that have been created like the last 60 years? You have three virtues, goodness, truth, and beauty. Beauty dies first, then it's truth, and then it's goodness. Beauty already died like, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. They don't value <laughs> beauty anymore. Yeah, I don't mean to laugh at you. I, it's just my response to how right you are about that. Beauty died and we worship ugliness. It's, it's a completely yeah. upside down society. Or effectiveness. It's the tallest building in Dubai. Like, I don't care, bro. It's super ugly. Yeah. So I, we've got about 10, 15 minutes left here. I'd love to get your perspective um, you know, you sent me some materials that I, I leafed through a little bit. I've been very busy, so I haven't been able to read yeah. all of it. But you're kind of like a mindset sort of dude. So mm -hmm. we're talking, sitting here talking about all this ugly, scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yet somehow you and I remain positive. What, what, keeps, you, <laughs> what keeps you feeling positive, brother, in this, this weird-ass time? <laughs> well, I often talk about this in other podcasts. It's because I've been through suffering myself i've been to hell myself of reinventing myself and not feeling appreciated and going against the norm and been to to, to depression and being super bad with women and low self-esteem and self-hate so that's my personal journey of realizing that there's light after the suffering or that it all can also can give meaning so my relationship with the negative or going against the grain is one that uh when i started taking responsibility that despite the shit outside i could still see meaning in things just as the standard book uh men search for uh meaning by victor frankel about giving meaning in a concentration camp you can still find some meaning about there's things that stake right now that are important to me and that i can fight for and stand for and in a stoic stoicism way i can choose to stand for things but i can also choose how i relate to things and i think these people are going so batshit crazy with the pendulum has swung so much in another side that the demand for just common sense things, like maybe your grandparents told you or what we stand for, there will be a demand for it. Nobody is going to have it with the coming crisis. Like, you really think that these uh, transgender men and these pussified men are going to save the women? You really think that these independent women who complain about the wage gap are going to solve the inflation? This, this is going to have to create some people who are like, yeah, we need some pragmatic, logical people who stand up, who create alternatives, who are proactive, who think long-term, things that I always thought were valuable things. But in the comfort culture or the fact that we haven't suffered for like a generation, people forgot about it. Mm -hmm. 
these will become valuable, I think. Oh, I it's agree. It's kind of sad, but in a way, there will be more of what's actually valuable to me. And our gifts or our topics will only become more important in the future. So that's actually a positive thing to look forward to. After in the short term, from now to five years to 2030, I think we're going to see some very horrible shit and crises and shit hasn't even hit the full fan right now. Mm -hmm. But I think in the end, it's not sustainable because it is sustainable maybe worldwide in terms of some things. But I, don't, I, I think humans don't want this. Mm. But it's very important, our generation, the 50s, 40s, 30s, because when you want to take a look at what they plan to do, you have to look at how they treat the children. That's how you see what they have in store. Mm. All these mass separating social conditioning, you know, climate change, already all the transgenderism, confusing kids when they are young with sexuality. Uh, that those young people, that becomes their basic worldview. And that's how they treat people and treat the world. Mm. All this explosion of ADD, anxiety disorders, etc., it has a hundred times like multiplied. Is this because there's something biologically happening, or is this just society and the ways we raise children and the environment, right? Mm. Yeah, the uh you're the, you're right to say look at how they treat the children because yeah, you know, say what you want about masks and distancing and whatnot, but the point is that's still a framework of fear and you're telling yeah. people to, you're programming people to be fearful and afraid and that's no way to go about life son like you got to get yourself a backbone here and it's funny because you know like i said working in a warehouse at night nobody cared but when the office people came in we all had to pretend like we cared or i didn't but you know a lot of other people didn't either because it was like the house cats were coming to visit it was really this is weird. how evil works. Evil works with inversion. Evil evil tries to do the exact thing that they actually do in what they portray. So I look at the symbolism of uh the toxic mother with the symbol of the matrix, and matrix actually comes from matris, and matris means womb. So if you look at Neo plugged into the matrix, it's almost like a baby being plugged in into the uh womb of the matrix with the umbilical cord, bam, at the back of his neck. Now let's take a look at what normally a mother does. She feeds her own nutrients to a baby and helps them take responsibility, bring it to the world so they can become an independent human being. And they can come from being baby-like to being mature. It is the exact opposite. It is a mature human being in the belly. They extract all the resources from the mature human being. Instead of creating freedom, they keep him trapped, you know, Take away the responsibility, you know, and keep them not mature, but infantile. So it's the exact reversal of things. Wow. But just as a woman who would go outside with seven coats and it's, you know, like, hey, Frankie, do you have this? Do you text me every hour? And the dude is fucking 35. Yeah. I'm doing it for his good. I'm checking on him. He's a good boy. Like, this is not how you become a mature human being. Yeah. This is also how to do sustainable development goals, reduce poverty, reduce housing. No, when you translate it, we want control of the money supply. We want control of the housing supply. We want control of the school system. Fair education. Sounds better. We want control of the, of the schools, uh, of the education system. 
How about we call it fair education? We want actually control of the financial system. How about we call it reducing poverty? That's how they do it all the time. Makeup and appearances, the wicked witch, just the nice appearances. That's so funny. You just said one of the most, that was really good right there. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the organization that's taking over the planet in that hideous strength is called the NICE, the NICE. Mm. And everything mm. they say is a freaking lie. They say there's a line where the guy says, you know, Say you want to experiment on children at, at school and nobody wants it, but say you want to take children to an experimental school and everyone's like, oh, that's great. That sounds awesome. Exactly, experimental because yeah. yeah. it's all dressed up. And you're right. Evil does work that way. It, it inverts for sure, but also it does it with a smile. And that's yeah. the freaky part, right? Especially yeah, when you they call it, it the new normal and not the temporary abnormal. They call it social distancing and not a social positioning. <laughs> yeah. That's really, man, um, we're running out of time here. I've got about five minutes left. Is there anything yeah. else you, you'd like to say that's like positive, like good for people to know? Just connect with like-minded people, read the classics, go to good books, uh, you know, read some books that survived the past, uh, the, the times, you know, some philosophers, the, the Stoics, some uh, existentialists, you know, surround yourself. Your reality is partly based on what you put in and what you put out is mostly based on what you put in. So if you want to take a look at your prescribed narratives, look at where the pen came from, from those prescribed narratives. And you will be amazed of how much of those things are uninvestigated or written by other people. And you haven't even investigated them. But it will be a, a, a period of going to the dark forest, to the unconscious, to uncertainty. But you will become out, come out wiser. A complete human being. Of no, yeah, knowing how to navigate, and that's the dark pool or the dark forest, you know, and that's dark. But through, through navigating to the darkness, you will find the light in yourself. And that's the biggest light you will have. Mm. Instead of seeking shelter all the time and being afraid. That's no life at all. That's just living like an automaton. And many people choose that because it's more comfortable or familiar. And people rather cling to the predictable familiar that keeps them tracked, trapped than the unpredictable, unfamiliar that could liberate them and put the power in them. Well, I always connected with the second kind of people. Mm. But you want to create resources. So I always talk about uh, F-terms. There's six things you should invest uh, in that you can get something more out. That's focus, time, energy, money, relationships, and skills. And they influence each other. With more skills, you can make more money. More money, you can, uh, you know... Uh, get more focus, whatever, they influence each other. But you want to be very mindful about your focus time, energy, money, relationships, and skills. Because we want to have future leaders, not followers. Think long-term. So take care of your health, your routines, people you spend time with. Cultivate the ability to ignore nonsense. You don't mm -hmm. have to debate everyone. You can just see if someone open or not. We're going to need some of those people who are brainwashed because alienating them by attacking them won't work. But by now, you should have some kind of super ability to ignore nonsense or recognize the people you can have a conversation with. And just, uh, yeah, the best way is uh, in terms of the, asshop, the grasshopper and the ant, like prepare yourself for a time that uh, there will be no savior who saves you. You will be your own savior. And you want to surround yourself with people who want the best for you and think long-term. And that way you can handle the storm that's coming. And you will do the biggest impact by inspiring people and seeing like you were right or you doing well than trying to shout at them being broke with no resources and telling them like, see how right I was. Okay, but the place you come from doesn't have a lot of authority and influence, you know. Yeah, well, I, I think you're 
absolutely on the money with that. And I, I love what you said earlier about having to go through the darkness to, to sort of like learn, like you had to go through darkness. Like you yeah. and I, you and I connect so well because I had a period of darkness that was like three, four years long and I thought yeah, there would be yeah, no yeah, end yeah. of it. And I went yeah. everywhere. I tried yeah. everything. Nothing worked until I decided I didn't want this life anymore and saying, I don't know what it's going to take to get out of this, but I refuse to accept that the rest of my life is going to be spent being miserable. I realized that I was tricked into making myself into just a, a miserable wretch for so long. But Bro, like for INTJs and ENTPs, there's the most in, uh, underestimated types because, you know, they speak their mind, they're truth satyrs, they're truth sayers, they're immensely curious and society tries to put you in a conundrum of in, either trying to conform to become a person who you weren't meant to be and you resent yourself or you become the person you were meant to be and stand up against the people who try to change you and you're resented by others. And then to cultivate self-love and believe in yourself and go for what you want is a lifelong journey. But in the end, you know, I had a moment in life where I realized that most of my suffering was self-inflicted or under my control. And I was shameful because I realized, fuck, I could, it was, it, it was partly my fault, but it was liberating because I knew like, yeah, you know, uh, it's under my control and I can change it. And when you know that it's not your mission to be liked, if you're an INTJ and ENTP, it's not your mission to be liked. Your mission is to value the truth above everything else and speak out. Exactly. And people need that now more than ever. So the last thing also, just say no, set boundaries, say like no and not further. Yeah. <laughs> some people tell like, I can't go to a bar anymore, etc. Because of some people who said no, the line, the goalpost has not moved a lot further. If everybody thinks like, yeah, but I can't do anything because that person does anything. And that person says like, yeah, but I'm not doing anything because Phil doesn't do anything. You get into that false consensus that you create something that you both don't want. Mm -hmm. So stop waiting for other people to go first. If you're a leader, you go first and you set the example. That's right. That's right. And it's easier than you think, right? It's, the moment you step out, you're like, oh God, this is going to be terrible. And then you suddenly realize that, oh my gosh, there's an army of people standing behind me who were just waiting for me it's like where were you, you just got to have some self-respect look at the person who you see in the mirror character you know a good conscience is the best pillow so look <laughs> at your so look at yourself in the mirror of the person you become it's small things everybody has their own addictions and, and, and downsides but are you betraying your own inner values of the person who you are if they would say something at your funeral can you back it up by what you lift are you willing to sacrifice for it because if you don't live your values and you don't stand up for them and you're challenged, they're preferences, they're not values. You're being tested by life. Are you willing to sacrifice for things that are meaningful to you? And if not, you're a false prophet. Hmm. Yeah. Man, I'm really glad we could have this chat. We need to do this again when I have a little more time. Uh, sure, I bro. Just, I, been a I pleasure, just, man. I, I love just feel the vibe. And thanks so much for supporting me, man, and hearing, hearing at least one of my listeners because I know how... <laughs> lonely it can sometimes be and you feel yeah. like you're preaching in the desert you know to yeah. somebody listen you know well it's we're his not name doing is... it for the likes we're doing it for you know like knowing if we if we sparkled some some zest and some interesting things in our listeners you know that's exactly right well everybody his name is philip van Houta. i am aaron c if we talk about dead people you should go listen to rants about humanity and adopt some of this guy's perspective because he's just he's a crusher i don't know how else to describe him he just he just keeps moving forward and um yeah philip thanks so much for coming on man and i was glad we could do this it's been a pleasure man wish you all the best with the podcast and uh with your further ambitions bro
There are over a billion stars in the cosmos. A billion stars drifting through the infinite vastness of space. But there's only one computer that can run Windows, DOS, and Macintosh software. Power Macintosh is here. And the future is better than you expected. Usually take the role of trying to explain to people how wonderful the new technologies that are coming along are going to be. And I thought that since I was among friends here, I would tell you what I really think. I'm trying to ask, what I've been asking myself, is what's this new way that the world is? What's the new state that the world is heading for? Because the transition seems very, very confusing when we're right in the middle of it. When I was a kid growing up, the future was kind of the year 2000. People used to talk about what would happen in the year 2000. Now, here's a conference which people talk about the future. You notice that the future is still at about the year 2000, it's about as far as we go out. So in other words, the future has kind of been shrinking one year per year for my whole lifetime. Abstracting out our methods of recording, presenting, processing information. So for example, the invention of language was a tiny step in that direction. Uh, telephony, computers, videotapes, CD-ROMs, so on, are all our specialized mechanisms that we've now built within our society for handling that information. And it all connects us together into something that is much bigger and much faster and able to evolve than, than what we were before. Every aspect of our lives has been reshaped by technology from the way we get around, the way we seek information, and the way we communicate. It's easy to think that if only our technology advances enough, we'll finally be satisfied. The fact is, we remain shackled by our primitive Darwinian brains.